podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters, those spooky Bosco boys. Kansas Jayhawks. The boys are back, and it is it has indeed happened again. It's happened again. 12, 12 straight. 12 My straight gosh. over the Jayhawks. Um, 55-14, Cats absolutely blow the Hawks out of the water. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Also, top of the 12, and we're having a laugh, baby. Absolutely. 4-0. Only team that's 4-0. Number one team in the Big 12. It's amazing. Real quick before we get into it, just real quick, bet online. Guys, get over there. Uh, you're having fun. Guess what? Soon you're going to have college football almost every day of the week except for, you know, Monday and Sunday. The freaking NFL going to town. Mahomes is about to run a train on everyone. Uh, the election. Hey, bet on the election. Why not? What could go wrong there? Absolutely nothing. So get over to Bet Online and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the welcome bonuses. Um, yeah, let's just get right into it. You know, you already said it. Fifty-five to fourteen. Um, sorry, KU fans. I don't care about 2015. This is the wor- that's that was the worst KU team I've ever seen, <laughs> maybe in my life. I can't believe I was nervous for that game. I mean, to be fair, I hadn't watched KU since. Coastal Carolina, and I watched about one quarter, and it was the quarter where they kind of tried to make a comeback. So that was my impression of KU. And I know everyone has been saying how awful they are, but they say that every year. And I just was uncomfortable going into the game. But, my God, well, I did I, not need to be uncomfortable. No, and, and I even got even more nervous when I was driving. So I, I watched the game downtown. A friend of mine, Matt Maynum, was in town. Uh, and I heard that Jalen Daniels was going to start. I heard that like on the pregame radio. I was like, oh, God. Like, I did get nervous. And then there, there's no no need. This is one of the worst teams ever. Like, Les Miles, I don't know if you've seen this, but I found the postgame press conference on YouTube. The, the guy needs to walk away for his own, like, sanity. I don't think KU should fire him because they can't afford to do buyout money, but the guy needs to retire. It's – it's disgusting. It's negligent to be having him make any decisions for any football program. I would agree. I didn't listen to his presser because it makes me uncomfortable every time I hear him speak. But, I mean, I tweeted that like a week ago. He just needs to He needs to retire because he's not just being less. I mean, the guy, he's not well, I don't think. And I don't like seeing him in that position. It's kind of sad. But, uh, I mean, for if KU wants to – make any improvement whatsoever, have any hope for the future. At this point, he's just a name. I mean, that's all he yeah. is. And, and it's even crazier now to go back to how the Kansas City media and how the national media treated these two hires. If you go back, it was all less miles, all less miles, all less miles. Kansas City media was down on Chris Clement. And I'll give the national media some credit. The national media was more 
uh, behind Chris Kleiman than local media and local fans were. But they were still like, oh, man, what a hire for KU, less miles, less miles, less miles. Well, now in the two-game series between the two, I'm pretty sure my math's correct. We are beating them 93-24 to in this new era of the rivalry, the less miles and Chris Kleiman era. Uh, just utter dominance over KU the last two games. And I can't believe those stupid KU fans thought this was their chance to get on top of us in this rivalry. Yeah, I I mean, of all years. And they've KU fans would know better than anybody. I mean, they've watched them all four games. But I was blown away at how bad they are. Um, and there's been some really bad KU teams in the last 10 years. And uh, I mean, I don't feel bad for them, though. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's now 12 straight, the longest win streak in the history of this rivalry. And again, everyone heard me go on this little rant uh, during the pregame pod, but K-State played 33 kids from the state of Kansas. KU played six. There's the difference. Yeah, I mean, difference. you can't neglect – you can't neglect your local recruiting like KU has and expect to, you know, have Ever, a have yeah. a foothold in the rivalry at all. But uh, it's good shit. I loved it. Um, I forgot how fun it was to absolutely beat the piss out of KU. I was having a great time. Uh, oh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, just amazing. And, again, it was a utter beatdown. And, again, not in the brand of Chris Kleiman or even, like, K-State football you know, over the last handful of years because we did outgain them, 381 to 320. Um, we still didn't have time of possession. It, it is funny to see, you know, that that was such a staple. Like, you always think, oh, got to win time of possession. I don't think we've won time of possession once this year. No. We're that quick strike team now. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> we're, we're a Viper offense. KU had the ball for 31 minutes. We had it for 29. KU turned the ball over twice. We turned it over once. Penalties. Three for 29 for KU, 10 for 81 for K-State. I think eight of those came in the first quarter. Yeah. So they did kind of figure it out, but that's way too much. And then third and fourth down efficiency, KU went four of 18 and one of three. So we did a much better job on defense. But again, oh, man, the the, the story of offense this year, besides the penalties, four of 12 for K-State. So – we will get into all of that, uh, you know, moving forward real quick. Manscaped.com, they are our other sponsor. Use promo code ARMCHAIR so you can get the Lawnmower 3.0, the best body trimmer in the world. No nicks or snags. I use it almost weekly at this point. And then also the Weed Whacker. It's the nose and ear hair trimmer. Got to get it. I can't wait till we get that. I need it. 79% of Partners Pulled said it is a turnoff to see hair coming out of your nose and ears. So I need to get it in soon. Again, get, get over to manscaped.com so you can get 20% off and free shipping on all their amazing products using promo code armchair. All right, let's talk about the offense. I think it truly was a tale of three quarters. One, we didn't even try to play in the fourth quarter, so I'm not even going to bother talking about that. But one, like in the first quarter, shambolic. Almost nothing good coming out of that. Second quarter, you start to turn things on, start to turn things on. Then the third quarter. That is the type of game from the offense that we've been waiting all season. Uh, well, no. I mean, we had some good quarters for Texas Tech and Oklahoma. But, like, that was that – was, about as perfect as K-State can play on offense is that third quarter. Um, what comes, you know, when it comes to the offense, like where was your head at throughout the entire game? Like take me through. I was Grant's ready head. to declare 
I mean, in the first half, I was never like, we're going to, we might lose this game. But I was ready to declare, I'm done dreaming about Arlington because this offense is so bad that we might not win another game in the next five games. But, um, I mean, I think you could honestly chalk a lot of it up to like just coming out flat, um, which is probably a pretty typical story when you come out against this KU team. But, and I mean, you can just look eight penalties in the first quarter is pretty indicative of a team that's not fully focused. Um, that's crazy. That's unheard of. Um, I can't remember the last time we've had that many penalties in a game, let alone in the first quarter. But um, it just was really conservative. We weren't winning the line of scrimmage. Um, wide receivers were not helping anybody out again. And then I think there was a pretty stern team talking probably at halftime, and you could tell the difference that – just like the overall decisiveness of Messingham and the sharpness top to bottom from everybody. We were kind of dominating the line of scrimmage. Will Howard was coming out. I mean, we were coming out passing um, in the play call that we were, that Messingham was running in the second half was just far more uh, appropriate for the weapons that we have. That was the, I mean, he called a great third quarter and that was, that's the kind of game that he needs to be calling. But I want to just chalk it up to just being flat coming out because that's kind of what it looked like, but definitely still some personnel yeah, I'm, fears. I'm very frightful. When you when you think about that first quarter, if you came, came out flat against KU, especially you know the buildup, you hear about all the talk about the Kansas boys talking all week about how much this game means to you. I have a lot of concern if you're coming out flat because here's the thing. After this game, you're you're not going to be pl- you're going to be playing teams with a pulse. You're not going to be able to just mail anything everything in. You're not going to be able to, you know, not be like playing at least a C plus or B minus game on offense. Like West Virginia's defense, I don't think it's as great as it's been in the past, but it has that three man front that they've given us fits. You know, we only scored what ten points for them last year, or was seventeen? It was something. Super short. And then if you do, again, want to talk about Arlington, Oklahoma State, I mean, granted, they haven't played anyone. Plus, they had played Iowa State. They Iowa State scored on a little bit. But we we can't afford to just basically have one quarter out of game where we're like, okay, well, we just don't have it. So I don't know what the solve is. I don't either. Um, I just think – I mean, I don't think Messingham particularly called a good game in the first half – in general. Um, but it, it, it kind of gets back to what we've said about Messingham before. He comes out of halftime, and he makes the adjustments, and it's good. Why can't he do that after a drive or two? Is he just so committed to whatever the original game plan was? Because, again, we've been a pretty good third-quarter team most most of the year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because sometimes it's kind of the opposite with him, too. I mean, he'll script a couple early – drives that look flawless and then our execution always fucks it up <laughs> like i mean that's like true. a wide receiver drops a wide open touchdown pass and there should have been probably two touchdown passes dropped yes. by malik Knowles. In- but still i just felt like i mean we were trying it's i mean i'd have to look at the numbers i should probably like pull up nelly's tweets or something because he usually mm-hmm. kind of scripts out uh or describes the pattern of play but it seemed to me like he was pretty wedded to running between the tackles on first and second down, 
just trying to establish that run game that we don't necessarily have. And it wasn't working, and it was putting us in difficult situations in third down, and we just didn't have it then because then you could kind of tighten the screws a little bit and our wide receivers can't get open or aren't reliable when they are open. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you fix it, especially with a – an offensive line that's inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get out of them. Um, but uh, maybe it was a wake-up call. We got out of the and, – and, I mean, when you look at it, we still – if you take out everything else, we still won the game 28-14, to 14, offense only. And that was with uh, – I wouldn't even give it a passing. Maybe a C-minus at best. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Let's move into talking about the individual position groups. Quarterback, let's just start off with uh, – and, and first off, I like Trill, Will, Howard, but it doesn't seem like that is the favorite. <laughs> I think the the internet favorite is Bill the Butcher. Is that the case? I love Bill in? the Butcher. Bill the Butcher? Okay. <laughs> so we're going with Bill the Butcher. So Bill the Butcher, B- Bill the Butcher Will Howard, 17 of 24, 243 yards, two touchdowns, long pass play of 37. Six rushes for 23 yards, long of nine. Nick Ost, he played in the fourth quarter, one of four for nine yards passing. Had two yards or two rushes, which this is my favorite side of the game. He had two rushes, a long of 11 and a sack of 11. So he had zero <laughs> yards. I always think it's funny when you see that long and you still end up with zero, but it is what it is. So I think the tail of the three quarters really does match up with Will Howard as well, not just Courtney Messingham. Although. I think you and some other folks did make good observations because I had a tweet. I said, Will Howard might be good one day. He's just not there yet. I stand by it. But, again, the Scott Wildcat reverse jinx. Right after I tweeted that, he went off. But I think that that first quarter, he just was not feeling it. Yes, there were some drops. It just wasn't great. Second quarter, started coming around, started to come around. And then that third quarter, he just went off. Um, what did you take away from Will Howard's game, you know, all three quarters concerned? I mean, first of all, I would agree that he's not there yet, clearly. He's not the player that we want him to be. But um, I think he's shown that he has some nice tools in his bag. And if we if he can get a more complete performance from his teammates and maybe some better, more advantageous play call from Messingham, and then he could be a nice quarterback, and he could honestly – we could make a push with him. I'm not worried necessarily about him anymore. No, I and it is you know wild I mean? because if you look at that game, and I think that I almost am guilty of looking at the stat line trying to explain it away, but here's the thing. He still went he, – he still went 17 of 24, 243, and the wide receivers gave him next to nothing. The offensive line – only had a play or two where they all were playing well. If he's still putting up that stat line with everything that's going against him, I mean, you have to think that if if you can ever put together a complete performance from everyone around Will Howard, he can be like a legitimately dangerous quarterback in the Big 12. And that is exciting. That is very exciting. You just kind of wish like everything is on the table now. I just wish I could see a see a game where everyone puts it together with him back there yeah I, I mean things yeah <laughs> and that's I think that's the reality that we're gonna have to accept um I mean when we were just talking about the offense earlier it's like this is a team the reality is this is a team that is going to have to like 
we're gonna have to steal shit to get yeah. to Arlington to dream about Arlington. It's not like okay, we're I know we're sitting top of the Big Twelve, but we're probably not, you know, roster wise. No, we're not a top three team. I mean, we're I, really well, not. If if you if if we want to get very like very honest with ourselves, if you just go position group by position group on offense, if you look at quarterback, Will Howard, he could be a top three quarterback one day in the Big Twelve. But I can't honestly sit here. He's better than anything KU has. I think I like him more than Columbia, but. You know, after that, probably Daggy. Daggy hasn't been that good, but so now you're saying he's like maybe six or seven in the Big Twelve. If you look at our running backs, Deuce Vaughn himself, yeah, he's up there with Chuba, with Brees yeah. Hall. But then behind him, I mean, if you're talking running back room, probably middle of the pack. If you're talking offensive line, better than KU, but maybe better than Tex offensive line. Yeah, I mean, wide receivers dead fucking dead last. last. The reality is, um, I mean, we will probably be, I we might be dogs in the next five games, except maybe Baylor. Well, I mean, we might be. It depends on performance. Like if Vegas were putting out lines right now, they probably have us as dogs versus everyone except for Baylor. Although I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see when the lines are released, uh, what what the line is with West Virginia. My guess is it's going to be close to a pick 'em. Yeah. But you know, it's it, it'll be interesting. You said it very well. If we're going to get to Arlington, we're going to have to steal to get there, and I like that. I'm fine well, with it. Fine. I, I this is who expect we didn't we were picked what like ninth in the conference or no, seventh? KU. So we're in front of Tech, West Virginia, KU. So we're sixth, is right? It, or is my math wrong? Seventh. Either way, still, we were expecting not very much out of this year, even and this without was always, COVID. This was always going to be the toughest year, yet exactly. here we are, top of the Big 12. So it's a testament, basically, to just the culture and the coaching staff in general that we are in the position that we are in, especially after losing the fucking first game. Oh, yeah. To recover like that, we're sitting 4-0, and the, the reality is, I mean, we're going to have to scrap our way to the finish line, and I'm fine with that, but... I mean, sitting here and being like, "Can Will is Will Howard? How good is Will Howard?" Blah blah blah. It's like we know how good he is, and he's a fucking true freshman, and we're gonna get a certain level of performance out of him. We know kind of what the rest of the team is too. I think our defense is elite. Yes. No. I but, think that's where um, our bacon is saved. Yeah. Um. I mean, we're gonna have to scrap our way through pretty much every game, and I'm fine with that. I think we've shown that we can do it. So it's gonna be scary the rest of the way out. But that's what's fun about being a sports fan. That said, things I do love about Will Howard, he's got a great touch on his passes. Even when he throws a duck, it's pretty much in the bucket where it needs to be. His height is very good in the pocket. Um, he's a pretty accurate passer. Um, I wish he was more mobile, Yeah. but that'll probably come. I mean, his he'll probably get stronger. They'll probably want him to be more mobile going forward. Or maybe not. Maybe he's just going to be slow <laughs> forever, which is fine. But um, I mean, he, he had that like twenty-yard run that got called back. He's he, yeah. He's he's athletic and fast enough to do what we. He just need has him no to. burst at all. That's that's um, true. He he basically he, he doesn't get up he gets, to sixty. Yeah, his, once he gets going, he's his zero kinda, to thirty, <laughs> like a locomotive. But um, and I thought I mean, as far as like mentally, yesterday he was pretty good. There was one play. That one play that sticks out to me is the fumble, which is like, I don't know why we're running 
a fucking zone read, read option, option yeah. with Will Howard and Deuce Vaughn. Like, I don't want to ever do that. I don't want to have Will Howard be keeping on a read. It's like that's just not a – he doesn't have that burst for that type of play. And he's not a great runner. So and that's, like, what you need if you're going to be running that because you have to have your first and second steps – beat the defense if you're running that so i agree with you again his arm the arm talent is there that and it, and it is funny he did have a couple of those ducks and you know ben lieber on the broadcast kind of called him out on it but again his ducks end up hitting malik Knowles in the hands that should have been you know? a touchdown and then the duck that he threw to taylor oh yeah that it was right in the bucket i mean it was a great pass yeah, so. i wouldn't quite call that a duck it wasn't a perfect spiral but you know the, the strength is there, and it's all going to come with more time. I, I am excited to see what he can do. And, uh, you know, he, he has a high ceiling. But before we ask anything else, what do you think the ceiling can get to for just this year? Like, forget about in the future. Can he get to a point where he's not going to cause anxiety and heartburn going into games? I already feel that. Really? I don't. I already – even Leah, after yesterday, I'm I'm already like okay, I'm not worried. It's not Will Howard that I'm like fuck. I uh, we might lose this game because we have a freshman quarterback. It's all it's the pieces surrounding him. He's shown that he can you know he's, he can play. I mean he's a good quarterback. I think um, he will do what we need him to do. And and that's and I think that's but what will I need he get to, help. Yeah, that, I don't think so. That's yeah, my fear. I think I think that's probably where I need to come around to. He can he can do what we need to, and he's going to put us in position to win games. I, I think again, I need to stop holding on to. Damn, I wish we had Skyler because again, we we saw we've seen Skyler basically say, you know, fuck it, put the team on my back and win with his legs. Yeah, that's the thing that Will Howard won't be able to do. He he will never be able to say, you know what, screw it, I'm going to run for four touchdowns. Um, and that's fine. He just needs the more help. So let's, uh, you know, and, and you said it, you saw enough from Will Howard to ease any big nerves, at least surrounding him going into the West Virginia game, correct? Yeah. All right, let's talk about a position where the nerves probably are not eased. That's the offensive line. How do you think they, you know, played? They rotated a ton of folks. There's only a handful of guys who, had I, who I would say even, quote, unquote, shined. But Give me your take on the offensive line. Still very inconsistent. Um, I probably in a C range, C minus range for me, at I, best. I think you're being a little. I mean, I, I probably would have given them. You have to grade on the KU curve, which in this yeah, instance probably point. brings them down to a D plus. I thought uh, the only guy there were two guys who I thought looked good more than they looked bad, and that was Noah Johnson and Ben Adler. Um, I thought it was one of the more rough games for Josh Rivas, who's just had a rough year, and Christian Duffy, who I, I really like, but he had a rough game. KT Levinson had a bunch of penalties. He had a rough game. Cooper Beebe, again, it was his first game out or back from an injury, so I'm going to give him a bit of a pass. But it just – oh, man. He didn't play, did he? No, Beebe played. He did? Yes. I thought he was out due to, like, COVID. No, stuff. you're thinking of – Oh, uh, Willis. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Not officially COVID, but probably yeah. COVID. Um, I mean, they didn't play well, <laughs> especially early on. We weren't able to establish what we wanted to, which is kind of a trend of really the whole climbing era yeah. um, so far. But, um, yeah, it's I, I think that they just are what they are. Super young. 
going to be inconsistent. They put it together sometimes when they need to, and you can obviously tell there's a huge difference when they're performing. Um, but I don't know. It's just it's kind of consistent with like team wide. We're going to be we're going to have to scrap our way through it. It's you know what's wild is the offense and defense are so different. On they defense, are. you know, hey, at least this season, outside of the Arkansas State game, the defense is going to give you between a B and an A minus game, probably. Yeah. You know, that's the range. On offense, every individual position group could give you anywhere from a straight up big fat fucking F to maybe a C plus. Uh, outside of Deuce Vaughn. And it's that wild inconsistency that just makes that this next stretch of game just, like, exciting but not in a good way. I mean, let's – I don't think we've put a full – I don't think we've really put a game together this year offensively. No, full game, no, because you had – First half of OU, awful. Yeah, And then an explosion break. was in the second half. Yeah. Tech, um, you had a good first quarter and a good, like, fourth quarter. But that was, like, a scrap. Yeah. We had to scrap our way through that. TCU, TCU was pretty terrible. Game. KU, not good, really. I mean, despite one quarter, really, where yeah. we kind of were in our groove. It's just – yeah, I, I don't know what that's about. Um, it's like I think he really does script – kind of the first half and then it takes them some time to adjust or and sometimes it's the opposite but it's frustrating i just want just for the west virginia game just give me I just want one game that i'm comfortable yeah well i mean yesterday was pretty comfortable yeah but, but i just g- give me just a dominant game like and it won't happen versus west virginia but i just i just i just want a game where at least even the offense just give me the offensive line be dominant from snap one to the end, just one time. But, you know, it, it wasn't the worst. You only gave up one sack, but you did have six tackles for loss. Will Howard got hit six more times. And this is what sucks. 3.9 yards per carry, so much to be desired. You did get up over 100 yards rushing, but that just, especially versus a bad KU team, just like, come on. Yeah, pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like, and, and again, it's the last point I had on here. Will we ever get a game where the entire line is good beginning to end? I don't think we will. Probably not this year. I just can't see I do that. have hope for next year, though. I have hope for next year. I mean, I have hope, a lot of hope just in general for the future when you just look at the overall youth of our team. It's crazy how many young guys that we're playing with significant minutes. It's no, crazy, it, it particularly crazy. the line. Yes. I mean, it's yes. nuts. Nope. Uh, let's move on to the tight ends, fullbacks. Massive day for the tight ends and fullbacks. First on the fullback, shout to uh, both of them are Kansas kids, Mason Barta and Jackson. I, I think they both played well. Barta had a nice uh, catch for eight yards to pick up a uh, first down. I think Jax probably had one of the best games he's had. And when I wrote out this uh, outline, I said that, you know, it was a second straight game where he hasn't really been boom or bust on his blocks. But I rewatched the entire game this morning. He was still boom on a lot of his blocks, just no bust. So I, I'm starting to think that he specifically has turned a corner when it comes to having these whiffs on these sports center top 10 type blocks. He's just connecting on all of them. And then he, he's realizing, Hey, you don't have to do that every time. Sometimes it's all about just getting your hands on a guy. And Barta has always just been solid when it comes to that. What did you think from those uh, two Kansas boys? I think he summed it up pretty well. Um, Jax looked better. I think he probably had some extra motivation yesterday. Um, he was John quite a bit. 
Oh, there was one time where he I did. thought he was going to get a uh, <laughs> personal foul. Well, I thought just, he was going to go a little too far, but he, he didn't. had like a monster block on that number three cornerback, and oh man, he like stood over him and everything. I loved it. It's, I was sad that Mason Barta was the one that caught it on that little out pass. I wanted it to be Jax because he had uh, a D back in front of him that oh, he I wanted him to murder, but um, Barta played nice. Yeah, he's he's kind of just like a. Nice cookie cutter fullback. Yeah, pretty solid. Jax um, has the personality, but you know, Barta's the Hallmark movie. You know, you know exactly what you're going to get. Jax Deneen, he's a freaking Tim Burton movie. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Tight ends uh, played well. Oh my gosh. Um, Briley Moore had three catches for 33 yards, one touchdown, and a long of 13. And Wheeler had that catch and run for 16 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Nick Lenners had a catch for. Or one catch for three yards that should have been a touchdown. could have been a touchdown. But, again, three different tight ends. When's the last time we had a game where three different tight ends caught a pass? And then when's the last time you had two different tight ends score touchdowns? Has that ever Probably happened? Probably never. No, no. No way. I mean, there's, there's probably – that's probably – how funny is that? that? That's never probably happened in our entire life that two different tight ends have got touchdown passes. But, again, like college football, like maybe back in the day there was more depth. But at least in modern co- college football, you probably don't have two elite pass-catching tight ends. Like Sammy Wheeler, he's almost like a hybrid wide receiver yeah. tight end type guy. But Bradley Moore is like legitimately a stud. Uh, you know, again, three for 33, one touchdown. It's not like – it's definitely not his best game, but again, he was the second leading receiver on the team yardage wise, tied for second in receptions. I mean, it's just one thing I was super excited about when we hired Kleiman is that I knew I was like, oh, we're gonna probably have a lot of um, output or I don't mm-hmm. know, input. <laughs> no output. output from tight ends now, which was exciting to me because I was always pissed that we seemed like we never used the tight end, and whenever we would, it would be very effective. And I think it's just a credit to the coaches for them being able to get the ball to these tight ends in space without, you know, it's you got to make up for the wide receiver's lack of production in one way and to have, you know, three different tight ends, one and two of them catching touchdowns yesterday. Could have been three. 100% should have been three. three. Um, is impressive. And I think that we have some de- – I mean, Briley Moore is probably the best tight end in the conference. I mean, who's better? Maybe somebody that kid at Iowa uh, I would say pretty it's, good. Yeah, he's really good actually. He's good. Yeah. He's probably the best. But Bradley Moore is you know, he's a guy that will probably play in the NFL. Yeah, I think he'll get drafted again. Some folks have tried <coughs> to like talk down on like him. I think he I think he gets drafted late. Um and you know, I, I forgot this. He has a kid, he has a fiance, so I'm not even gonna talk about like the hopes of him coming back next year. Yeah. Um, I think he's probably ready to move on with his life, whether or not it's professional football or, you know, life after football. So I'm just going to enjoy the next few games with him. But I got to say, you still have Sammy Wheeler and I think Nick Lenners are both sophomores, I think. Yeah. So you still have those guys. You got saw Connor Fox get in. You have some true freshmen who probably won't play this year, but they are developing. You hear great things about it. I don't think this is – 
I don't think when Briley Moore's time at K-State's over, that's the end of dynamic performances from K-State tight ends. I think the future is very bright there. And again, I think the future is bright at fullback. I mean, again, I know it's just one play, but I think that I think that when you look at the offense, if you want to take into account depth as well, I think tight ends and fullbacks are our best spot on the field. Yeah, I think that's probably fair to say, um, which is exciting going forward. It's nice to have it a new facet of your offense that you can look forward to and – I mean, <laughs> if there is a time where the wide receivers start to click, then I mean, we will be in pretty good shape. Yeah, because that just opens it up for Sammy Wheeler and uh, for Lenners and Moore and all of them. So, uh, yeah, we'll move on to the running backs. Uh, like Deuce Vaughn, 11 carries, 71 yards, average of 6.5, long 24, one touchdown, four receptions for 81 yards, average of 20.3, long of 36. Okay. He's not a blip on the radar. This wasn't like a one-hit wonder. It wasn't just a, oh, like one fun game from a freshman. He's legitimately the best weapon we've had since Tyler Lockett. Like He's good as hell. He is so yeah. good. I mean, and he's, he will he might rewrite some of these Darren Sproles records when you count when you take into account that he has a head start uh by playing so much as a true freshman and he might have five seasons and if you go back and look at what Darren Sproles did in the passing game nowhere near this again Sproles became much more of a pass catcher in the NFL than what I think K-State fans remember him at K-State yes he had a couple massive like screenplays that everyone remembers but if you go back and look at his stats like Deuce Vaughn is catching the ball far more than Darren ever did, yeah. and again, I, you don't you don't want to get ahead of yourself. Sproles was like a legitimate Heisman candidate, and again, you still have to project some of it out for Deuce Vaughn. But the fact that he has this much production as a true freshman, I, I <laughs> talk about dreaming of Arlington. You dream about you you dream about awards and records for this kid. Yeah, this is gonna be like this is gonna happen across the board because of COVID. But K-State is going to be like the Perry Ellis University because of all the young guys that we're playing that might be around for five years that are having significant impacts. There's going to be people that are like, how the fuck is Deuce Vaughn still at K-State? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm so it, tired of seeing Deuce Vaughn. <laughs> and but, again, maybe maybe like a lot of folks end up not using the five years. I don't know. But again, with his size, and I don't want to like get down on him for his size, but because he is that small – NFL teams aren't going to be clamoring for him to come out early. No. So maybe he does decide, hey, I'm going to be around for five years. And even if they aren't around for five, the fact that you could have guys like BB, uh, Will Howard, Deuce Vaughn, all these guys who could be legitimate four-year starters at massive positions on offense, then even don't even get started on all the defensive players. You know, it, it could be wild. So he looked great. Is is it to the point where if he ever has a game where he doesn't go over, uh, like, I mean, he didn't go over a hundred for the TCU game and that and folks were like, what's wrong with Deuce Vaughn? Is that like the baseline a <laughs> hundred yards between uh, rushing and uh, receiving? Like, can you almost probably for I every mean, game, at least a hundred yards? God, I, people are probably going to try. They're going to start tightening the screws on him, but if we can still, if we can consistently get him the ball, in opportunities where he has an inch to take. 
But it's like, are you really going to double team no. a running back out of the backfield? Probably not. Like you can bracket him in zone coverage, but if you're if you're doing that much to stop a running back in the passing game, for fuck's sake, could a wide receiver please step up? Because you're going to be getting <laughs> single coverage with linebackers if that's what what folks are going to do. Because that's what it's going to take to take him out of the game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's shown that he's a consistent weapon. He's done it, you know, against. On the big stage, he's done it against uh, OU. speedy defenses yeah. like TCU. Um, did it in know, a rivalry game? He did it in a rivalry game. I think, yeah, we know what we have in Deuce Vaughn, and I think the coaches know too. He's clearly, like, the number one guy right now. He's our biggest offensive weapon. He's easily head and shoulders getting more carries than pretty much anybody in the running back room. So it's exciting. It's surprising. I would have never thought that we would have had a talent like him bust out this year and he's on it i mean he's been the difference for us this year without 100%. deuce vaughn we were fucking awful yep we're screwed <laughs> I mean, um so it's exciting very it exciting. exciting uh keon mosey three rushes for 27 yards again another funny one where his long is 27 yards so that tells you what happens on the other two um how much fun like could he be because we saw it on that run again you give him the edge i think he's actually faster than deuce once he gets in space he's well, just not yeah i mean they said on the i don't know if i believe this they said on the game call that he's one of the fastest guys on the team so i uh, yeah i think find ways to get him in the open space uh, i mean we saw him absolutely burn one of the guys in oklahoma for 70 yards um yeah gotta find ways to get him weapons he's i mean he's got more potential than harry trotter does maybe you know maybe we don't have to run him between the tackles or but we've got to find ways to get him the ball yep. in space because yep. you can't. There's no substitute for speed, yep. and we are lack. We lack speed. K State lacks speed and explosiveness typically. So if you can add another guy to that equation, whew. I did hate that fumble because I really wanted to keep KU under <laughs> ten points. But you know it is what it is. Harry Trotter six rushes for nine yards. Did get in the end zone. He's a Kansas kid. I'm glad he got in the end zone. He's a great, great blocker. Truly great blocker. I could see us using him in goal line situations or short yardage, all that type of stuff. But man, and again, some of it's on the offensive line. I understand, but I would, I would much rather roll the dice and give Keon Mosey those touches where it isn't goal line situations or short yardage and say, all right, you know what? If he can make a guy miss, he might be able to break it loose because neither one of them are getting consistent, even three yard pickups. It's okay. Hit the line, fall forward. And Trotter just doesn't have that possible upside. Um, but again, if you do, if you treat him like that, then it becomes your telegraphing play. So again, yeah. I get it. I, I truly do understand all of it. Just, just sucks that he hasn't been able to carve out like an actual threat as a running back. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I don't really have much to add to that. Um, I don't like. I like seeing him in the game, and I like seeing what he does. But um, yeah, I just don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't like him. giving him the ball there, as yes. much as we do. There's a lot of folks who hate on him. I just I would I would just prefer to see him crack in skulls. I would too. Yep, so mop-up duty for running backs. Tyler Burns, two rushes, two yards, one catch for five. Jarkadia Wright, two rushes for negative one yard. Do you think it's time to put the uh, Jarkadia Wright uh, hype on the shelf until proven otherwise? Probably. I mean, he doesn't seem to – he's not getting help at all. No, I mean, I mean, he's only really shown this year one run that was decent against Tech where he busted it for like 10 yards. And I still – I mean, I would love – 
I'd love to see him get more carries. I really want to see him get more. If we're going to run between the tackles and and if we're going to run just like downhill plays, give him the ball. See if you can give him the ball. Give him some blockers too, and just see what he can do. Because he's shown. I mean, he's got some decent vision, and I don't know. Maybe he's. It's like he's gotten too big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna put the hype on him on the shelf until proven otherwise. Let's get into the receivers. Sebastian Taylor, four catches, sixty-eight yards on a thirty-seven. He's undoubtedly the wide receiver one at this point, and he's really the only guy I have any sort of confidence in. Yeah, me too. Um, it's <laughs> and even then, it's like I feel like he's rarely actually open. Yeah, he's not getting separation, but he's just coming down with the ball, which, again, it's better than not coming down with the ball. Yeah, um, I'll take it. Catch the ball, yeah. fine. I, I agree. DJ Render, one catch for 21 yards. His catch could have gone for six if he kept on his feet, and he knew it too. I agree. I think Will could have done better. Yeah, he could have. He could have. But, again, you know, stay on your feet. Maybe it goes. But still, 21 yards, you know, I'm, I'm not going to poo-poo him. Do you think that the – He catches the ball. Yeah, he does. At least. He doesn't, he doesn't drop it. So, my question for you, because he has become one of Will Howard's favorite targets. We saw it especially in that TCU game. Do you think it has more to do with them having, like, some chemistry from, you know, having those reps together when they weren't on the first team? That was the Skylar Thompson-Dalton Schoen trope that, hey – you know, they, they became like connected because they had that full year scout team. Or do you think it really comes down to the fact that, you know, outside of Sebastian Taylor, all the other wide receivers have been poverty. This I mean, it's year. probably both at some point. Yeah, they definitely, obviously that's logical that they would develop a connection, but I think we are to the point where we're like, who wants in? Because who's going to fucking prove that they can contribute in the, to this unit. And to be fair to DJ Rinder, I mean, he's, got issues with also you know getting open as well but i mean when he's been targeted he's got a decent track record of actually coming down with the ball so i don't know i mean we just are thin at that position and we're bad at that position very bad combination to have so um i don't care who it is just catch the fucking ball um at this point there's really not a whole lot of separation between anybody trash and taylor's had a decent season, but yeah. So uh, Keenan Garber, I was glad to see Keenan Garber. He actually played. He's actually played quite a bit uh, the last few uh, games. This was his first target. He came down with a catch, one for nine yards. I think it came from Nick Ost. Um, but again, that's more than I thought he was ever going to get in his K State career. I'm, I'm happy that he got out there. My question is, do you think he ever really has a role outside of you know playing versus KU when we're kicking their ass? Maybe. I mean, he's still super young. I mean, he's red like shirt freshman. Anyone, you know, I mean, I just like, there are guys that stay in programs and then, you know, they click when they're juniors and seniors and they have a great career. So it I, could be, but he could be, he like, could be, look, I mean, Seth Porter's like getting more snap, like, you know, and Weber and yeah, it just, I don't know. But, but I, I was happy to see him get the catch. I, he's a Kansas kid. He's from Lawrence. I want him to be good. I, I don't want to be correct with my predictions about him. I just, Ugh, I don't know. I mean, all I'm saying is if he stays at K-State for his career, there's no doubt that he could, in my mind, that he could become someone that contributes. I mean, just it's, it is maybe alarming that, you know, he can't make an impact yet in a wide receiver unit that is really struggling. But it's like 
you know, people develop at their own pace. He's, he's only a fucking redshirt freshman. Um, so I'm not throwing in the towel on Keenan Garber yet. I think he could be good. At the yep. very least, I mean, he could come a, the second, third receiver that contributes later. But Speaking of someone who could be good, I miss good Malik Knowles. One catch for eight yards had at least three credited drops, two of which were in the end zone. Um, I don't know what's going on. Is he ever going to solve the yips? I they tried tried to go to him early. I mean, I think it probably was more than it was probably like three or four drops. Uh, yeah, two of which in the first quarter. It just I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Malik. I don't either. Um, it's got to be psychological at this point. Um, I don't know. I mean, the only way to fix it is to just keep targeting him. And I like what the coaches did yesterday. Um, he gets himself in good positions which is half the battle. Um, It's like a striker. I mean, you get yourself in good positions. If you're not scoring, it'll eventually start to click. You create chances, it'll eventually start to click. So hopefully, I mean, I think Malik's talented. I don't expect anything from him at this point, but I think eventually it'll start to click. I mean, he's a good route runner. He's talented. He's got speed, and he's got good hands. He's just, I don't know, It's is it confidence the Fernando It's got to be confidence. That I, I don't know. I mean, Taco Wallace or James Terry or Taco Wallace. Taco Wallace used to drop the ball. I mean, he had a terrible year. I think I want to say it was 2001 when he fucking dropped the ball every time it came his way. And in 2002, he was a great receiver. And his improvement was, you know, enormous. So who knows? I, I think it's probably just – it's got to be confidence. I don't know what else it could be. Yep. So this team only usually like has a handful of snaps where they have more than two wide receivers on the field at once, and they do have two wide receivers committed for the 2021 class. Are you to the point where you want them to scramble, find another high school guy? Do you want them to hit the transfer market hard, or are you at like the point where okay, no, just keep keep with the plan and hope that throughout rest of this year and next off season some more wide receivers emerge as, you know, being viable? Um, I would be looking hardcore in the transfer pool. Um, I might fire Jason Ray. I would honestly be fine with that. I'm done with Jason Ray um, at this point. Go get me a wide receiver coach that um, is good. I don't don't like Jason Ray for other reasons, but, uh, I mean, at this point, it's like – Jesus Christ, let's fucking do something. Do like, something because, something I mean, our wide receivers have struggled so mightily the last two years. Yeah. And, I mean, it goes back further than that. But, uh, come on. <laughs> yeah, he's, I don't know. Give me some different personnel that is um, has a different perspective on things. Um, and we, j- I think we got to ramp it up in recruiting in the wide receiver room. Yeah, I think – Go I, hard for some – decent wide receivers yeah I think Jason Ray they need to talk to I don't know Missouri State and be like hey will you offer him to be offensive coordinator so he can like leave and and we don't have to fire him but I'm ready to move on from him um let's move over to the defense though I agree with you by the way I want to hit the transfer market hard uh you know honestly I think FCS like superstars should look at what Briley Moore is doing at K-State right now and I and again I don't I don't know what this does for perception of Casey or anything like that, but I want them to look and see what he's doing. And if we became the destination for like, you know, an FCS all-star to transfer up to big boy football 
every offseason, I'd be fine with that, especially if it's a wide receiver. There are elite players in SES. Yes. Look at uh, Cox that transferred yeah, to, uh, to LSU. LSU. He's almost going to come here. He's like their starting middle linebacker, and he's like one of the leading tacklers. Yeah, I, I want that to become like a niche that we grab. We grab grad transfers who want one-year Power 5 football of FCS. So, well, and it, it's kind of tricky this year since they're playing in the spring, yeah. but I don't know. I, I want a grad transfer wide receiver. Let's talk about the defense because they stayed hot. But if I'm going to put a little bit of cold water on it, KU sucks. Uh, I wanted to hold them under 10, end up giving them 14, got the pick six. All that's great. But KU's point totals this year is 23, 14, 7, 17, and now 14. So it's – you know, not that great. I mean, they're a cupcake offense, but let's celebrate some of the players and what they did well. I thought it was a massive game from Eli Huggins. Had a great game, probably his best game as a cat. Three tackles, one sack, one, excuse me, tackle for a loss. White Huber, I think, has turned a corner. He got a sack, got a tackle for a loss, two quarterback hits, and he is active in rush defense. He's active, and he and he's not standing up anymore. No. Is, is that – I mean – Maybe, maybe we just needed to tell him to get back down a four-point stance. I guess. I mean, it was a weird thing to see him every single play doing some sort of jet rush wide angle. I don't know. But, I mean, I'm sure that they <laughs> – I don't know what that was about. I mean, surely, like, that was coached. Yeah, I mean so – I don't know. Yeah, so I, I'm glad they stopped that again. Uh, Boom Massey, he's really starting to have a good couple games. Two tackles. One of them was a tackle for a loss, I believe, on a third or fourth down. Khalid Duke, two tackles. No sacks, but, again, he's getting pressure all the time. Felix and Duque, one tackle, which was a sack. Tyrone Tallini, also a tackle, and it was a sack. Drew Wiley had a sack and two pass breakups at the line of scrimmage. Jalen Pickle, again, a tackle and another Knockdown again between those two guys. You had three pa- pass breakups at the line of scrimmage. I love seeing my big beefy defensive tackles get their paws up in the air and swiping balls down. That's like probably my favorite underrated play on like defense. Like everyone loves sacks, strips, all that type of stuff, but just like a big dude just pawing the ball down. Yeah, love it. I love that too. I mean, this was by far and away the biggest advantage we had in the game. Our defensive line was dominant, and they continue to be probably the shining light. I think of the defense as a whole I mean secondary probably has a case there but I've been impressed um, basically since OU how well second half of OU how well our defense defensive line has played Um, and I'm really happy for Boom Massey Um, glad he's carving a role into the team because he's had so many injury issues in his time at K-State but I, I mean I feel great about pretty much our entire defensive line I'm not noticing um, the rotation as much in a negative way. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Li- I'm in like I was gonna I'm say kind of buying see, into it. Yes, I I agree with you. Again, Last year it was kind of pissing me off. Yes, and and it probably all has to do with the defensive ends that there's depth of talent there. Uh, because last year, White Hubert, you know, boom, he was hurt all year and he didn't have a great year. It, it really was White Hubert or nothing. We were getting sacks from all over the line. I mean, Kamari Ganius, he was playing in mop-up time and he was looking like one of the best offensive ends we had earlier. Spencer Trussell got a tackle and he's looked good. Uh, Robert Hentz was in the middle. He had a good game. Uh, they truly are the, I think, 
I, I agree with you. I think even over the secondary, I think on this team, our best unit is the defensive line. And it, it's exciting because when you can get to the yeah. quarterback with only four, you can drop your linebackers back in zone coverage and then just take away the middle of the field, force quarterbacks to make a perfect throw on third down. It's amazing. KU only had 2.9 yards per carry. And I, I truly think this, and I'll ask this to you, has there been a group that's taken a bigger jump from week one to now? Maybe the secondary, because they were awful that is in true. that game. That is but true. But that's only because they were so fucking bad in that first game. But, um, I mean, just those two units as a whole have been pretty damn consistent since uh, the second half of uh, the Oklahoma game. Um, let's move into linebackers, because they haven't been as consistent, didn't really have a big game yesterday, but... I mean, when your defensive line is absolutely collapsing oh, your yeah. pocket so quickly and getting that much penetration, you don't see a whole lot. Um, I thought, I mean, I'm surprised to see that Sullivan only had three tackles because he seemed like he was at the scene yeah, often. He's a heat-seeking missile, and he loves to kill quarterbacks. Yes, he does. And here, here's the thing about our linebackers. They, they probably, so the tackles show up. Uh, you know, it was three for Sullivan, two for Hughes, one for Green, one for Fletcher. Shout out to Austin Moore. He played in the fourth quarter, got three tackles. He played really well. He's actually a walk-on that the coaches have raved about quite a bit. But they're always in the mix. So I, I think that probably stat keepers have a hard time of awarding tackles with K-State's defense because, again, this, this is like – the exact opposite of like the worst defenses we've seen where it's just like having to make one-on-one tackles it's almost never one-on-one tackle yes we we got juked in the backfield a couple times by their running back and their quarterback but then guess what here's three more dudes and the linebackers are great about that they follow the ball again I'm not too worried about them because when your defensive line plays that well you don't need them to have big games. None of it was glaring. I, you know, the linebackers haven't been great this year, but they've been consistently serviceable. I, yeah, they, I mean, I think they've been between a C plus to a B minus every yeah, almost every they game. They do their job for the most part. Yeah, they're none of them are crazy playmakers this year, but you can depend on them to for the most part do their job. Um, yeah. You really have much else to say about the linebackers? Yeah. Again, it was you know. Just kind of status quo. Let's get into the secondary. Lots, lots, lots of guys playing the secondary. Lots of rotation. So, Ross Elder uh, led the team with six tackles. I think you can see the improvement from this guy. He didn't play week one, but I think he's improved from week two. But do you think it is the right call to continue to start him versus letting Wayne Jones come off of his snap count and let him get back to starting? Because, you know, it it was a scary injury for Wayne Jones. But at this point, at least in my head, I'm like, okay, if he's healthy enough to be out there, let's stop (laughs) limiting snaps. But, again, I'm not a medical person. I'm not a football coach. So what's your take? I mean, I think Elder is getting as many snaps as he is because our hand has been forced. Um, I want him (laughs) – to be limited as soon as possible. Um, he's improved a little bit, I guess, but you can just see that there's a huge athleticism gap, and I feel like half the time he's not in the right place anyways. Um, I want to get Wayne Jones back in, definitely as soon as possible, uh, but 
I don't know if that is possible um, given well, what he's gone through. We'll also talk about it here in a bit. I think we might see Wayne Jones starting next week, but I don't know if it'll be at safety. But before we get there, J-Mac continues to have like an all-Big 12-type season. Five tackles, one tackle for a loss, QB hit. Like, did you in your wildest dreams like in the beginning of the season think he was going to have a season like this? No. I mean, he's been a baller. I think um, he's playing himself into like a seventh-round draft pick or at least an undrafted free agent tryout. Yeah, I mean – he's always in the right place um i yeah i I definitely had question marks about him i was worried Um, i wanted to keep him at nickel because i thought he played well at nickel last year it's impressive um aj parker's three tackle scary high ankle sprain definitely hope that is not serious i haven't heard anything about it yeah so he also had that for a forced fumble oh yeah that's right so yeah, it looked like a high ankle sprain. I'm scared about because, you know, he broke, like fractured his ankle in the KU game last year, but he couldn't walk off last year. He at least walked off this year, hoping to hear something on the teleconference on Monday or the press conference on Tuesday. Um, here, my prediction, if he can't go versus West Virginia, I bet you see Wayne Jones end up playing nickel um, because they're, they're to the point where they're just taking – the nickel position and getting the best defender yeah. uh, there that you have that isn't already starting. So I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, freshman and Marius Brown, most game time he's seen, made big hits on special teams and looked good at safety back there. Um, again, another true freshman playing. Uh, Keandre Thomas, two tackles and a pass breakup. Could have had a pick six his, himself. Walk on Cameron Key, two tackles. Tyron Lewis starting to see a little bit of a T-bone out there. Two tackles. Walk on Hunter Henry. He's another guy who the coaches really w- rave about. Two tackles. Willie Jones got in two tackles. Echo Boydo, one tackle. But I think he's become like the shutdown corner. The, no one's challenging he's him. He's not anymore. targeted, no really. One, he is locking down his side of the field, and that is amazing. Like yeah. I again, it's. I mean, I don't again. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but you know, he's locking down the side of the field almost like to the extent that like DJ Reed did. Because if you remember DJ Reed's final season, he he was almost never challenged. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, they aren't targeting him really at all I, i'm trying to think of the times that he's been targeted this season and he's he's got, recovered yeah. and broken up the past i think that like there was one time versus ou i think that he got scored on uh or maybe it was texas tech i can't remember there was like one time where the wide receiver made a good play but he's been great ever since uh justin gardner i'm loving justin gardner um, amazing he is looking like legitimately he's a ball hawk yeah he's he's good i mean he's got great size super physical his recovery is excellent. Um, pick six was a great, awful play. Just, oh, but I mean, he's horrendous. sitting there. He reads it. Just I mean, you could see up. it coming from a mile away. Like he was ten yards. He, he closed in ten yards so quickly because, like, obviously they telegraphed a god awful play. But um, I, I really like him. I mean, both those guys were kind of thrown into the fire and they've both stepped up tremendously so it's exciting yep very exciting um sounds like lance robinson has opted out for the remainder of the season now with aj parker's injury wayne jones still continuing to be worked back into full speed um are you worried at all about uh how thin the secondary is getting definitely um but as the room has kind of shown um people that have been put in are stepping up. Um, I mean, it goes back to, obviously, Echo Boydo and Justin Gardner, even T.J. Smith, when he was played, he made an impact. Sounds like he's, he's out for the year. He is so. out for the year, yes. But um, 
yeah, it's definitely scary. It's part of the game, though. So hopefully we can keep having guys step up, but um, hopefully also A.J. Parker's injury is, is minor and just a sprain. So definitely can't lose A.J. Parker. That yeah. would hurt the defense badly. Um, he's probably our best like out-and-out guy yeah. in 100%. general. Um, so, yeah, I hope that's not too serious. And, uh, I mean, it sounds like Wayne Jones is coming back, so – that's another kind of trade, I guess. Yep, definitely. Let's talk about the special teams review, and it is brought to you by a special team over at Kansas City Direct Primary Care. KCDPC offers high-quality primary care at an affordable monthly rate, regardless of insurance status with no co-pays or hidden fees. Dr. Short realizes this audience is mainly men, so let's get down to brass tacks. A lot of men don't feel like they need to go to a doctor. They avoid going, but will then spend money on expensive hair loss and erectile dysfunction services like hymns or keeps. A membership at KCDPC costs the same or less than these services while providing the same medications at much lower prices and most importantly, Dr. Short is a board-certified primary care physician who can treat a wide spectrum of illnesses and disease. He can even take that weird mole off your back. KCDPC is excited to announce a bonehead special for you'll get $100 off a vasectomy package, pun intended, a fr- fresh cut of the vast deference pairs perfectly with a fresh cut from the lawnmower 3.0. This is a limited time offer for boneheads only. So visit kcdpc.com or call 913-730-0331 for more information. We are big fans of Dr. Short. He was on the last game review. He's awesome. But let's talk special teams. Uh, because this is truly why the game was a blowout. First off, Blake Lynch, two for two, perfect on extra points. I thought he did a great job. But here's the real reason for the season. Philip fucking Brooks, two touchdowns, four returns over 40 yards. It was statistically the best punt returning game in conference history. He broke multiple records held by David Allen. Talk about Philip Brooks, uh, who just continues to prove K-State is special teams you. I mean, we are truly special teams. You, we have the special teams has made a play in every single game this year, which is crazy. It's wild. I mean, I, it's how stupid. I mean, <laughs> Philip Brooks, amazing. Without his spark, we may have struggled a little bit yesterday. I mean, we were struggling mightily until he kind of sparked us off. Um, but I mean, he's always been a pretty good um, punt returner. He doesn't have like that breakaway speed that's you know guys in the past have had but he's very slippery he's got good vision um but yesterday was just absurd and they the, kept punting to him i know and then the second one was the most wild one there's seven seconds left how do you not just punt that out of bounds and he made two guys miss shook off guys and got into the end zone the first one it literally was just perfect blocking perfect everything yeah. he i could have taken that back for a touchdown but that second one was probably one of the best punt returns that we've seen if you talk about just pure skill of the return man the second one right at the end yeah. of the half yeah um yeah i mean he had to break a tackle too and there was no time on the clock um <laughs> i was just fucking laughing so hard when they punted to him again and, and i he, think i don't i think that the announcer could not fucking believe what oh, he was yeah. seeing. Um, but, yeah, it's crazy. I mean – I almost had two more. To break a record um, of a guy with the pedigree of, like, David Allen, who is, you know, the best punt returner in K-State history, a guy that was always a tackle away from pretty much breaking it, is impressive. 189 yards in punt returns. 
That's crazy. Well, and then a friend, not our friend, but Jesse Newell tweeted out that KU in the last five seasons Amazing. has 191 punt return yards. 191. <laughs> and Phillip Brooks had 189 in one game. Over the last five seasons, no Big 12 player has had more than two 40-yard punt returns in the same season. Brooks just had four in one game. Phillip Brooks tied the Big 12 record for 40-plus yard punt returns in a season all in one game. How many does he have for his career? Three or four? Returns for touchdowns? Yeah. Uh, three, because he had Navy. the one versus Navy. Okay. All right. Well, let's get him some more. Yeah. How I old mean, is he? Sophomore? Sophomore. Okay. David Allen's record is seven? I'm pretty sure. Is it seven? Yeah. I think it's seven. Yeah, and they're all on punts. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well. He's got a chance. He has a chance. Just keep punting. We play KU two more times in his That's career. That's true. So that is true. He could uh, tie it just against them. But oh, I would love that. Um, it's insane. Um, I love that stat. I mean, <laughs> that's embarrassing as hell. 191 yards in five fucking years. But also, I mean, this was the first game that they had an actual punt return fielded in the season. So before this, they had all only fair catches. They had not uh, – Fielded a single punt. That's just wild. horrendous. Just um, fucking wild. Punters, I think, are actually pretty decent this year. Um, yeah, I had I had a little worry with Ankle going away, and I don't think either one of them are at Ankle's level. But, I mean, they're splitting time, but both of them are doing well. It's it's wild that K-State probably has two punters that are better than probably most folks in the Big 12. Probably two of probably the top 20 punters in the country. Yeah, probably. I mean, Special teams you. I mean, Special teams you. Uh, both of them had three punts. Zentner, long of 51, two down inside the 20. Bloomer, three punts, long of 41, one down down inside the 20. Um, I think it's odd that you continue, continue to split punts, but, I mean, don't fix what's not broke, you know? I agree. I mean, yeah, I completely agree. All right, let's grade the keys to V. Uh, Grant, your first one was eliminating big plays by KU. How are you going to grade that? I mean, I'll give it an A. Outside of really one drive that they found momentum and kind of put it together, there really were no big plays for KU. Yeah, I think they had of, like maybe two that were around 30 yards. So yeah. I'll give it an A-. minus. My first one was get up big, get up early, and stay up the entire game. Honestly, like a B plus because it, you didn't get up early. It, it, you had to wait until the second quarter, and it really was until the, uh, you know, right before the end of the half where it really was up big. So I'm going to say B. Uh, for me, dominate the trenches. Um, I'll give it a B because offensively we're not good, but – Defensive line fucking absolutely murdered KU's line, so I'll, that'll bump me up. Yeah, I'll, I'll give that a C plus. And then mine was get Will Howard in a rhythm and let him shine. Did he ever really get in a rhythm? Kind of. Not really. But he did shine. He ended up having a pretty decent game. I'm going to say C plus as well. What would you give that one? Um, hmm. I'm going to give him a B again. I'll give him a B. Um, I thought he played – Honestly, pretty well when um, he had decent protection and when his wide receivers would catch the fucking ball. Um, made good decisions. I'll give him a B. Well, but, but I, we didn't get him really. really er, we didn't get him in rhythm yeah. early though. And that's not even really on him. I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going C plus. I I think honestly, outside of the defensive 
line and defensive back C plus is about as good as anyone did, but it is what it is. Usually here after the keys of is when we would do ask Bosco questions, but we're going to give you a special pod on Tuesday so we can answer all of those questions and not make this a two hour long podcast. So tune in on Tuesday for all the post game ask Bosco questions, but the game balls are going to be presented by bet online. Again, folks, NFL, all sorts of college football, Everything you could want to gamble on is over at BetOnline. If you use promo code armchair, you will get an awesome welcome bonus so you can wager and win money because boneheads are smart and they smell good. Grant. You go first. Okay, I'm going to go first. My first game ball is going to go to the man, Phillip Brooks. Again, anytime you have you know, a conference uh, records being set in one game, taking records away from David Allen, two punt returns for touchdowns when there are elite returners who only maybe get two in their career. Um, I have to give it to Phillip Brooks. Uh, my first game ball is going to Will Howard. Um, 17 to 24 for 243 yards. Um, third quarter, really good. I thought, you know, accurate, pretty good in the pocket, pretty good. Quick in his decision making, pretty decisive. Um, I mean, he's three and zero, one and zero in the showdown. Yeah. You think of what the shit he's been kind of thrown into, no, and it, what he's accomplished. Very impressive. Um, he's got he's got some character to him, and I like him. Um, so I'm, my my offensive game ball goes to Bill the Butcher. I like it. Uh, my second one, I said it earlier. Eli Huggins had probably his best uh, best performance of his K State career. Um, have to give it to him. I was very nervous of what was going to happen in the interior of the defensive line because I don't think everyone really acknowledged how good Mitty was. I think everyone knew how good Trey Deshaun was, but you lost him and Mitty. Uh, But Eli Huggins has been absolutely massive this season. He had a great game. So that's my game ball number two. My game ball number two goes to Justin Gardner, the ball hawk, the pick six. He's looking like he could become one of the next great K-State corners with his partner on the other side. Um, I love Justin Gardner. He's a big dude, and he's a badass. I love it, too. My swagger sticker is going to our friend, recurring guest, Taylor Bratt. I don't think there's anyone in America who loves his job more than Taylor Bratt, and I think when he gets to beat KU with – 33 Kansas kids playing that's a pride point for him because Taylor Bratt is a great ambassador for K-State but he's also an amazing ambassador for the state of Kansas and Kansas athletes Uh, and it's not to say that he doesn't build these connections and go after the kids in Colorado Texas all this because he does he does it all but I he has a special passion for the state of Kansas and K-State so being able to win that one with so many Kansas kids playing while you look across the field and KU's only playing six and getting their asses smoked, um, you got to give the special love out to Taylor Bratt so he gets my swagger sticker. My swagger sticker goes to Chris Kleiman. He is 5-1 and one against new coaches. He's 2-0 and oh against Les the Mess, outscoring him 93-24, to 24, and he's attacking Kansas, I think, pretty hard on the trail. I think he knows the importance of owning the state. Um, and for him – I mean, I just can't say enough good things about Chris Kleiman. For him to put the staff uh, together that he has and to weather the shit that he has done, endure the things that he has done in his first two years, um, I mean, you think about it. He came in to an absolute mess of a roster. We had no running backs, for crying out loud. And um, having to deal with 
the Black Lives Matter movement, um, all the racial tension, all the COVID, and to have us in a position where we are in a truly a rebuilding year. Uh, we're 4 0 in the Big 12, and we're scrapping our way to wins one way or another. The dude's a baller. He gets my swagger sticker. I love it. So that's all we have. Uh, everyone, again, tune in for tomorrow's Ask Bosco episode. Let us know if you like it, that format or not. Uh, tweet us in. Uh, show us any celebration pictures from keeping the goal or the bronze salamander at home. John Brown is alive and he's staying in Manhattan. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, yeah. It's happened again. It's happened again. Kansas Jayhawks, it's happened again. Top of the 12 and we're having a laugh. Meet me at the Cathead.
Social Podcast Network.